was at a dance When she caught my eye Standing all alone Looking sad and shy We began to dance Swaying to and fro And soon I knew I'd never, never go Blame it on the bossa nova with its magic spell. Hello and welcome back to the Amazon Women on the Moon segment by segment podcast, a podcast that dissects the 1987 movie Amazon Women on the Moon segment by segment. I am Martin and I am again joined by Candice. Hello. Hello. We are, as always, talking about our boy Murray. Um, who is not showing up just yet, um, but who is showing up over the end credits of this incredible movie is um, In Living Colors, David Alan Greer as um, Don No Soul Simmons, <laughs> um, treating us to a especially soulless rendition of Blame It on the Bossa Nova. But the best thing about that is, even though it was supposed to be soulless, I still, you know, was kind of getting into it. It was kind of jamming it. It wasn't really like totally, you know, devoid of life, which is what I would expect from a person with the nickname No Soul. Yeah, it's not terrible. He, he's he got a good voice. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he is, um, you know, he's, he's on key. Uh, <laughs> He's enjoying nothing, it. Nothing really. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's got his puffy shirt on. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think I would deliver quite a worse version of that song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as cheesy as it is, um, but I think um, the no soul um, speaks more to the uh, selection, more to the material. Yeah. Than um, to the performer himself. Um, I don't know. Um, we've had um, we've had uh, someone else talk about um, the um, blacks without souls segments. <laughs> um, so we didn't um, really get to talk about it. Um, I think now is um, now is a goodest as good a time as any um to just um to just ask how did you feel about um blacks with no souls <laughs> i mean actually one thing that i found interesting about this movie is it had a lot of diversity for 1987 like there was a lot of kind of you know yeah. big uh comedians that we saw arsenio so david allen greer um there was some other guy who was in the blacks with no soul segment we had Blackula in this movie, for God's sakes. Blackula was the pirate. Like, who would think in a mainstream sort of comedy in 1987, you have Blackula just popping up and doing stuff. So, you know, I thought this, considering what this weird movie was, I thought whoever it was was doing a good job on the inclusivity front. Well, that's that's nice, at least. Um, um, yeah, the... Um... Blacks Without Souls segment comes across as, um, you know, certainly dated humor, but I was, um, I was torn between um, thinking that, that 
did, did they consult a black person when they were writing this <laughs> and thinking on the other hand that could that could have been a sketch on in living color kind of totally sort of. totally maybe I, with a slightly different vibe but uh. i mean you know i think i think the funniest thing about it is you know here we are 35 years later or more no yeah i guess 30 about 35 years later we're still making the same jokes about black republicans and like kind of suburban rich black people that becoming black republicans and just being you know lame as <laughs> so it's nice to know that that conversation is still continuing as it was the same in 1987 <laughs> I wonder what 1987 would have made of Diamond and Silk. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I, I don't even want to speculate, but I'm, I don't know. I feel like that kind of archetype has showed up in plenty of movies, but usually on the good side, <laughs> not on the ridic on the bad side. I don't know. Usually they were silly to be, you know, a part of the group, you know, like made fun of with love. But I think if, you know, they had a characters like that today. Well, actually, no, made fun of with love. So I'm thinking of some like Baps. So, you know, but I oh, think nowadays if those characters, uh, <laughs> well, I don't know. They're so ridiculous. It's, it's almost like. It, truth is stranger than fiction, right? Like you wouldn't, I don't think anybody would have thought to make, you know, like the girl from BAPS turn into Republicans because it was just so ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Well, then there's Carlton Banks. Like, I don't know how many seasons did the Prince of Bel-Air run for, but it was at least like seven or eight. Yeah, yeah. I think, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think at least six sounds right, but I don't know. There might have been more. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it sounds right. Um, well, um, but enough about Don No Soul Simmons. Um, <laughs> we are now seeing the um, credits roll by, and the credits also go segment by segment, like we do on this podcast. And um, isn't that nice and um, just a natural way to view this movie? Um, <laughs> now, finally, um, we get to see the names of the actors, um, because in the uh, opening credits, um, the, the one actor credit was lots of actors. Um, and when I saw that, I thought, I wonder what, you know, SAG had to say about that yeah, in 1987. Right. Um, <laughs> but they did get away with it. Um, and with, you know, big name actors, too. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> Seriously, like there had to be a folder in someone's safe. On her and on um, who else was I really like? Why you? Um, uh, John Ingle, I think his name is. The, but I only know him from summers spent with my elderly relatives watching General Hospital. <laughs> but when I saw him, I was like, oh, my God, Edward Quartermain. What is he doing in this bizarre movie? <laughs> yeah. Steve Gutenberg and Rosanna Arquette. Steve Allen. <laughs> like he's famous. Yeah, yeah, all those, all those um old comedians. You know, comedian guys. 
um, that we totally still remember. Uh, yeah, and Blackula. I, I was I was super stoked to see Blackula. I was like, I know I know that guy. And then I dragged up my IMDb and I was like, it's Blackula. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I used to have that yeah, T-shirt. And Arsenio. Yes, Arsenio. Poor Arsenio getting really <laughs> beaten and battered in that first segment. And, and getting but, eaten alive by his apartment. For yeah. What reason? I don't I'm know. Sure, but but I, <laughs> I think what was kind of cool was Arsenio had kind of like a share thing going. He didn't. He wasn't Arsenio Hall. He was just Arsenio with no last name in the credits. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, now I want to go back and you know look at the uh, end credits for uh, I don't know coming to America or <laughs> whatever else he was on, but it. But I've seen Coming to America so many times, I do believe he was credited as Arsenio Hall. He was definitely Arsenio Hall by then. I mean, it almost makes me wonder, was this his first thing? And he was just kind of like giving it a shot, you know, <laughs> like I'm Arsenio and, and trying to see if he can make it work with just one name. When did he get his talk show? What year was that? Um, maybe hmm, like... 89, 90, 91? I think, actually, no, I think I'm going to go with 89 or 90. Yeah. It feels right. So coming to America that was definitely 88. came before the uh, talk show. Yeah. But after Amazon Women on the Moon. So um, I don't know. Maybe he was, he was Arsenio sometimes and Mr. Hall when he liked the movie better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but it's not like, you know, imagine this being one of those SAG things where it's like, you can't be Arsenio because there's another Arsenio. I'm pretty sure he was the only Arsenio. <laughs> Whether it's yeah. Arsenio one name or Arsenio Hall, he pretty much has that name on lock. There will never be another one who's going to. If there is another Arsenio, he's going to have to be, you know, an, well, even another Arsenio Hall. He's going to have to be Arsenio Jones or something because Arsenio... Hall has Arsenio and Arsenio Hall completely booked in the records now. Imagine having a super unusual name and then somebody at SAC or some some other union tells you, I'm sorry, there's already another um, Jürgen Prochno. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know about Michael Keaton. You've got to be Jürgen K. Prochno. Well, you know about Mar Martin uh, Michael Keaton. He's really Michael Douglas. <laughs> yeah. So you had yeah, to go true. for Keaton. Uh, so anyway, we get these um, segment by segment credits, and um, then we get, uh, you know, after David Allen Greer fades out, we get uh, we get Murray back. Is there anybody out there? You know, he's getting more and more desperate, and now he's pleading with. I think he's pleading with us, the audience. Yeah, um, he's breaking to, the fourth uh, wall. To call Crazy Leo and um, tell him he's still under warranty. Call Crazy Leo and tell him the TV set he sold me has a problem. I'm still under warranty. <laughs> yeah, warranty is what's going to get him unzapped from his television, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, I think Crazy Leo has a handle on this. Yeah. Maybe it's like... If my customer really pisses me off, he gets the special remote and then he'll never bother me again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one that's one way to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. 
Anyway, that's it for Murray. Hello! Hello! Apparently the end of the credits, but um, then the credits uh, get interrupted by one last segment, which is the um, Carrie Fisher starring, um, I guess, Reefer Madness parody, um, or just, uh, you know, those educational um, shorts from the 50s or mm-hmm. 40s parody, um, which we are not going to talk about today because that's an upcoming episode. Um, but after this, um, we uh, continue with the credits, with the credits for the last segment. Um, the music is some super annoying circus music. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get the technical credits and then the um, 1987 blockbuster Amazon Women on the Moon is over. What a movie it was. A movie indeed it was, arguably. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah. That's about as much as a, you know, segment about the credits of a movie gives us to talk about. Um, Do you have any concluding thoughts on uh, the um, movie Amazon Women on the Moon? I really want to know how many people ended up scrubbing this off their IMDb. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Yes, there's a lot of people who are there and and they can't deny it. But I, if they had the choice to delete a movie off their IMDb, would it be this one? Probably. <laughs> I think for a lot of people. I think maybe Michelle Pfeiffer even forgot she starred in this movie. I'm sure she wouldn't be able to recite any of her lines. Or, But actually, you know what? Maybe she's one of those people with a photographic memory and she would surprise me. Maybe this was her most exciting movie shoot ever because apparently she was in it with her ex-husband so maybe they had a good time huh yeah maybe on the other hand hers was one of those segments that i can imagine being shot on one day uh so maybe if you told if you asked her about amazon women on the moon um you you really really have to uh uh, jog her memory yeah. and maybe she would remember um, you know um, um, being at the universal lot one day uh, with her uh, husband or ex-husband or I don't know um, <laughs> and and being asked if she could just pop in and do this quick hospital scene like yeah. that's something that totally could have happened totally totally so maybe it might be better to ask uh our buddy uh, David Allen Greer about if he remembers this, if he remembers being no soul Simmons. Yeah. Like that's with the exception of, um, you know, some of the, you know, the, the Amazon women on the moon segment, um, the titular segment or segments, plural, mm-hmm. um, those had the most, I guess, production values. Um, they definitely had sets and every, everything. Yeah. Um, Son of the Invisible Man had sort of a set. Um, 
but most of these, um, you know, most of these segments, um, they they look really like they look like SNL segments. Um, yeah, from about that era, and um, you know, they pump those out in a week. Uh, mm -hmm. So I don't imagine um, uh, a very drawn out production process for this movie. Yeah, totally. A lot of these segments have the look of, you know, something being filmed on your lunch break with half a page of lines to memorize in an hour. Yeah, like like when Steve Gutenberg is just standing against a bare blue wall. Yeah, it looks a little bit like. Um, oh, is he? Did they? Did they forget to key in the back? Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> oh, that's the apartment. That's the set. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, it makes me wonder if, like, they. So, if it wasn't blackmail, it makes me wonder if they were, you know, at least working on other movies on this lot, and they were like, "We'll give you an extra fifty grand if you film a segment for this thing right here." <laughs> hey, Steve. Hey, Steve. Yeah, yeah, Steve, come over here. <laughs> How would you like another hundred grand? Yeah. And did Not you just, just, just get over there and talk to Rosanna for 10 minutes. Exactly. And did you notice he wasn't even Steve? He was Steven Gutenberg. Oh. So like, how early? This had to be like almost before Police Academy or maybe just after. Oh, was he really? Uh, Steven Christopher Gutenberg, Esquire. <laughs> <laughs> he was definitely Steven. I don't know about the Esquire. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah well i don't know i did enjoy the movie it goes by real quick yes. um a lot of the humor is um very dated and um the kind of kind of a reminder um what a different country the past truly is <laughs> like the 80s um had uh its problems <laughs> <laughs> we know that yeah. um, <clears throat> um quite a few of them show up in this movie uh yeah i think i think what i found funny is if this something like this happened nowadays it really i couldn't imagine it being something that would show in the theater like something like this totally seemed like it's made for a you know netflix or a comedy central special where they're just kind of yeah. riffing on stuff like i can imagine you know nowadays paying 10 euros to go sit in the theater to watch something like this <laughs> <laughs> well i could i could imagine somebody doing this exact movie as a parody of this exact movie like you know in a in a john mulaney and the cyclone sponge kind of spirit mm-hmm but yeah, but still, it's very much a television thing now versus a movie thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's all there is to say yeah. about all 80 minutes of this movie. Um, it was great talking to you, Candice. Thank you for being here. Thanks Do you have me. anything to plug? No, I'm just, I'm just here along for the ride. Still nothing to plug and me either except our um, Twitter page, the um, official Twitter page of this podcast, which is at A-W-O-T-M-P on the Twitter.com. 
Um, follow it. You'll be glad you did, I assume. Um, anyway, that's all from Candice and myself. Um, thank you all for listening. Um, thank you to everyone else who worked on this project. And goodbye. Bye.